Okay, so I'd just like to welcome you to Moon Juiced, the podcast. So welcome, Tate. Thank you very much for having me, Asia. Thank you very much. Of course. I saw your, I come across your podcast uh, recently and I was like, this is, this is interesting. You're an interesting person. I think you talk about subjects I'm interested in, subjects that affect a, a, a wide part of society. And uh, yeah, I want to start connecting with people and reaching out. So thank you very much for having me on. Well, thank you. I'm excited to get into your story and you have like quite a story. So um, let's start at the beginning because you have, there's just a lot to talk about. Sure. So where did you, um, you started with wrestling? Was that your first love? I guess so. Yeah. Uh, life is a long thing, but um, <laughs> I think it was around maybe seven years old that um, the WWF uh, was a, was a really popping off. And as a kid, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too cool, you know, <laughs> at all. Uh, I had like uh, glasses and I felt like, you know, I struggled to kind of fit in, in a lot of ways. Wasn't the worst, but this, this wrestling thing that, that come up at the same time as this coming of age at that at the young age was really in retrospect, looking at it now, I think that was really in, like interesting to me at the time because it was a real life, you know, a real life good versus bad. And um, I think a part of me as a young kid really latched onto that idea of like, wow, this is cool. Like I can like living vicariously through these good guys and bad guys like battling gave me a certain confidence and a certain like excitement that I wanted to live in, you know? So it created a, an interesting escape for me. And uh, I, I was obsessed with it, like totally infatuated with it. Um, I don't know if you have something similar that when you were of that age or maybe even afterwards that you kind of, you found yourself always coming back around to, like everything um, always relates back to that. Anything that anyone would talk about, you go, oh, that's just like, you know, when you get um, people who fall in love for the first time, does that resonate? And they're like, everything I, always. Yeah. Well, okay. So on my end, I think I was a competitive figure skater when I was little and I, was... I started competitive figure skating before much trauma in my life happened. <laughs> okay. So that was, um, that was like my first love, but then I started like, I started going through things when I was 12 too. Like I, I wasn't really the coolest kid in school either. And I think- Hey, the best people now are the ones that weren't cool there. <laughs> Do you know that? That's what I always find. Well, this was, this was middle school for me. Like middle school was a hard time. And I think that's when I started um, like crystallizing like all these wounds. And in some ways it shapes the way that I am today. Like it shapes my drive very much and yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird how that is like when you feel like 
a no one or you don't feel seen in some way, it starts driving you. And in a way it's like, it's a wound if you like unconsciously let it drive you, but you can also look at it and like be driven with a sense of self-awareness as well, recognizing that that's part of your past. (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I wasn't consciously aware of it at the time, but I just found myself enamored with it. Um, the rock was a big thing for me then. And then as we get older, he's continued to be such a great role model of, a, of like a something to be. But essentially, you asked where did it start? And, and that was it. It was like six, seven years old. Wow, what is this? And just being totally um, fixed on it. And when I was um, 14, I, um, I, I used to, you know, I used to get every magazine or like go into the shop and I didn't have that much money. So I'd go to the shop and read the magazine and then put it back there. So I didn't have to buy it, you know. And in one of these magazines, there was an advert for a wrestling school in London. And it was about an hour, two hour, it depended on traffic, an hour, two hour drive from mine, as we mentioned earlier, London's big. Um, And at 14, I just like begged, pleaded and made a lot of noise. And uh, until I was, they they said, okay, look, we'll take you one time. And then that was it. 14, I started wrestling, boom. That's the origins. <laughs> That's how we get into it. Yeah. Those are the origins. So then, okay, so you were wrestling. And then you mentioned how you were homeless at one point. So that goes, yeah, that goes a bit further forward into it. Right. So I don't know. I want to, rather than. I don't know what things are like in the States and stuff, but in the UK, again, I feel like maybe there's this constant thing that I was battling against when I mentioned when I first got into the wrestling, right? Like, how do I fit in? How do I win this social battle? Um, And by the time, you know, I'd started wrestling at 14, I started, you know, confidence growing great getting to do this thing that i loved great um you know being kind of naturally good at it if i do say so myself (laughs) there were successes um but still aside from that you know that was its own world and then outside of that and it's you know school and whatever i'm still kind of struggling with this same thing right so as we get to like, as we get to 16, 17, 18, as those years come in, like in the sort of real world, social world, school world, it, you know, drugs and alcohol and stuff like that became a lot more, it became part of it. Right. And I, I thought, ah, oh, I kind of fell into that thing of being like, this will be, this will be how I people think I'm cool. This will be it. 
and I and I kind of yeah I kind of got lost in it um one of the things that led into the rest why I was kind of able to do the wrestling early on or not why my parents were happy to be like go ahead do it is because I'd been very angry as a kid and they thought well this might kind of exercise some of that uh so that happened then so that was already a thing and then when the drugs came in on top of that personality trait that was already there and that thing that I was fighting that was already there it got skewed and like I uh you know did too much of all of that silly stuff and I caused too much issues in the in the family home and it was just a bad mix and you know one thing led to another and we don't want you here you know so that's that's where we end up why do you think you were so angry as a kid um you know it's a, it's an interesting thing and i i i don't know i've spent a lot of time meditating on it i've spent a lot of time uh thinking over it something is interesting when i was born um i still have it now like my like left eye is like slightly off and when i was like two years old apparently i was like a buddha baby like happy blissful um didn't cry didn't shout just sat there peacefully like taking things in um but this eye was off right and uh at two years old they were like let's get this operated on let's cosmetically turn it uh i think it was two i believe it was two um and apparently when they finished that operation they gave me a um a certificate and were like well done for being so brave and my reaction was i tore up the certificate and said this is what you can have your certificate threw it in the bin and kicked the bin after having torn it up thrown it in the bin and kicked it and somewhere after that onwards um i was just a nightmare and i wonder if we can come back around to this when we get onto later things like dmt because there's remind me on that <laughs> but uh i wonder if somewhere in that process either just kind of being operated on or maybe psychologically i was like felt like i was being uh told that I wasn't good enough in some way. I don't know how, because obviously I couldn't register. I can't tell you now what I felt then or whatever, but it seemed to be a turning point in the attitude. And you were only two when you ripped the whole thing up and yeah, the trash can. Damn, so like you knew what was going on. That's a really young age to... Yeah, I can't tell you now at all this is from like how what I've, my earliest memories that I have of myself are like five or something you know but this is yeah this is what I'm told wow. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's and then yeah I always I would get so angry uh flush you know let's go further back to to that young child where I was, I was like so angry that I would get like nosebleeds in fits of rage and like so ah. And I'd get nosebleeds. I'd be so angry that um, they took me to like uh, anger management things and they were like, what's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with him? And they did different tests and they were like, we don't know. We don't know. It's just angry. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So then like 
what kind of drugs were you doing and like how did that affect your anger did it sedate it at all or did it just enhance it it's interesting it's a good good question so i think that's might be how i kind of got a little bit lost in it as well because i remember like having the first so start with weed everyone starts with weed right and uh i remember when i had that originally have you ever seen the movie uh, mr nice with um have you ever seen that movie no it's um it's the welsh guy who ends up smuggling loads of drugs what's his name Mr. Nice. I'm going to kick myself when I read it. Howard Marks. Howard Marks, Welsh guy. Smuggled loads of weed and, and um, hash. So in the movie that they do about him, they do this bit where it's all black and white. And then he has that first joint and it all turns to colour. It was a little bit like that, but it was like, imagine it being like anxiety and stress. And the first time I had it, everything just went, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh. Wow. And then I chased that more and more and got lost in that. And it, it ended up being the other way around, that when I took it, it took on the stress. And yeah, I wish huh. I could have. Well, you know what? I had the opposite reaction. And a friend of mine told me, like, okay, well, first, when I very first started uh, smoking weed like at first I got a lot of anxiety and it was just way too psychedelic for me at first and so I yeah. had to train myself to enjoy being high so <laughs> I would just get high and spend time by myself and just like chill out yeah. and then you know I was able to smoke and then I was just smoking like way too much at one point and then the right. paranoia started kicking in again and I just had to yeah. stop. And my friend was telling me, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I think it's because you naturally have a chill personality or you're naturally chill. And everyone that smokes weed wants to be more chill or feel more right. chill. Right. So right. I think if you're more calm and you smoke weed, like the paranoia kind of gets really intense. Mm. But I mean, if if you kind of tend to maybe be on the more like not so chill end of the spectrum, then weed kind of puts you back into that chill state. Is that, do you think? It could be right. You could be right. Like I, I can't put my finger on it. All I can say is like in my own experience, cause like you can't be in anyone else's body to know. Right. Mm -hmm. All I can say is in my own experience, the, the initial stages of it were entirely liberating and like relaxing and whatever. And then it, it definitely wasn't by the end. <laughs> so, Did you, you get know, paranoid? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I wonder as well, like um, if it's the, the, the type as well, because things are probably obviously way different where you are when I've been to your country and, and had some like blowing my head off. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it also kind of depends on like where you're at. I mean, so I'm from, I'm from Colorado and we have okay. some dank weed here. 
but I was also living in Vancouver, British Columbia, and they have some mm. dank weed there, but also elevation affects the high and, yeah, sure. you know, but Food, hydration and the that. weed these days, they're genetically modified. This is what I think they've gone wrong in my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> it's like, too intense now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's legalize it and then there's like go crazy with it. And it's, I think <laughs> there could have been a middle ground, maybe. There yeah, totally. But I mean, okay. So when did you start getting paranoid though? Was it like after you were uh, experimenting with more drugs? Oh, um, yeah, really. It was a long time. Let's be honest. It was like, it was a long, it was a long time. I probably stopped smoking it. Um, so I just turned 29. I probably stopped smoking it uh, like 26, 27. Mm. Uh, 20, 26. I remember I was living in East London in uh, Hackney and I had this job. It was just before... So spoiler for people who don't know, it doesn't matter. I stopped doing wrestling for a bit and then I come back to it. And it was, and this is the bit is I was like 26. I was living in East London and uh, had this job I didn't like. The music, I was doing music. Music wasn't working on my own anymore. And yeah, I was just smoking from get, to, from get up to go, to go down, which I'd been doing for years before anyway. But this was like hit a whole new level of just like, I'm not doing, literally, I'm not doing anything at all. Like I wake up and I'm having it and having enough to kind of semi knock me out. And then I'm waking up and having enough to kind of semi knock me out. And it, and then it's the end of the day and I have loads enough to not, to go to sleep. And that's just, when I knew, oh my God, this has become my reality. <sighs> mixed with some other things like I did this uh <laughs> it seems like a whole other world now but I did uh I did DMT ceremony with one of my housemates and the general vibe afterwards like people say you can communicate have you done it yourself I've never done DMT okay. I mean I've done like most of the psychedelics but I mean you got to tell me what DMT is like, because we can go yeah, out about well, it. We, but... we, 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 if I finish this point on here quickly, okay. it's just like there's 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 definitely some kind of communication, whether it's real or whether it's me to something else or it's just internal communication. There's definitely some kind of communication and like it, it's very strong during it. But then I also found that like one one and a half, two days afterwards, that kind of still continued. And um, that was one of the big go homes. <laughs> one of the big messages uh, was, hey, we're not doing that anymore. And very quickly after that, like within days, stop smoking, stop smoking joints, stop smoking cigarettes, stop drinking. It wasn't a complete 180 cold turkey. But within six months, I was a completely different person. And then fast forward three years, it's, yeah, a whole nother life. So 
Wow. Was it, it must have been a pretty emotional experience. Was it? What, the DMT? Yeah. Um, I mean, does it get you into your emotional brain and your emotional body? Because I know, I know like mushrooms and LSD right, definitely right, does, right. but what, what about DMT? Um, see, I, I'm kind of hung up on the word that emotional there because it didn't, I wouldn't say it was emotional, really, just very very powerful and very loving and very eye-opening very calm like you got I did it I, I you know I meditated you know I didn't take you know I kind of was clean 24 hours going into it and like I meditated for a period of time before it and we had like the space set nice and we you know, had nice music. We kind of really made sure it was a ceremony and a correct use of it, right? So I was pretty calm going into it and it was a very powerful um, experience, but maybe I entered in such a calm state that it didn't, it wasn't like, you know, emotional, you know? It was more something else. But I tell you what, just to circle back to the thing we mentioned about the eye earlier. If in terms of emotional, there was one bit during the trip where it went black. I'd been a bunch of places, <laughs> it went black. And uh, I was like, no, it's over. What? And I saw this faint bit of, um, faint bit of, um, actually, hang on. I got this t-shirt many years ago when I was working at the festivals. I didn't really comprehend what it was about until many years later when I did DMT. It's a lot like this, right? But I saw like kind of one of these strands almost, right? And um, in the darkness, faint, one of these strands. And I was like, what is that? And I followed it up, followed it. And then it got brighter and brighter and brighter. And there was this thing piercing through really bright, all these kind of colors, all these patterns, perfect ge geometry. And as I noticed it, it noticed me noticing it. <laughs> this sounds so crazy to anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, no, I know it, it. Talking about psychedelic experiences always sounds so crazy, but <laughs> I, I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> we'll have to like show that I'm a normal person as well after this. Um, he saw me noticing it and uh and then it kind of turned into this um the people talk about the praying mantis and it was kind of very similar to to the praying mantis thing that people refer to and there was two ended up being two and then they started doing with these long pincers that you have on the praying mantis they started going into this left eye and doing work on it and it was like going you know in it's going through it wasn't just in front of me it was going in and um at that point i started to kind of breathe a lot harder like and that kind of maybe started to turn emotional but i was aware through having done other trips and other stuff like how to kind of control myself and i was like okay this is getting a bit intense guys can we just relax a little and 
<laughs> and uh, almost like perfect, they were like, it, I say that, yeah, they, they were like, okay, okay, fine. And then it moved on to something else. That's just my experience of it. Wow, wait, so you were like, with the praying mantis thing, you were like, this is getting intense. Can we chill out? And then it yeah. moved on? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wow, wait, so, okay. What do you think that meant? It, you know, poking your well, eye? So I know a lot of people say with DMT and with like ayahuasca that, um, that like sometimes it makes you face like things you need to get over, traumas or whatever. So that's why I mentioned like bringing it back to the something we brought up earlier. I wonder if it was taking me back to when I was two and getting an operation and it's like this thing that needed to be addressed. And um, mm. looking back at it now, at the time, I'm just like, you know, in the fucking, what the hell is going on? But um, now looking back, I wonder if I should have sat through it and kind of let it do its work. But we are what we are. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I wonder what would have happened. Like, I mean, well, I mean, you got, I think reflecting on it, like maybe gave you the answer though, you know, because I heard this, um, I heard a good analogy of the psychedelic experience of it. it's like it's like going on a vision quest right. and uh sometimes it'll take years to even like uh register everything that happened that's nature yeah yeah uh but wow that's really powerful <laughs> yeah. and oh, okay but what about what about other psychedelics have you tried other psychedelics yeah sure uh, a lot of time with, with a lot of time with mushrooms and and enough time with acid as well and uh yeah i mean god we could talk you know you know what it's like when you're at a festival and you hear people go oh this one trip and this you know. yeah totally <laughs> yeah so uh, for me personally just because i've i've been at a lot of those campfires, like I try to stay away from just diving into another story of of whatever, unless I think that it's particularly this this unless I feel like it the story or the journey is something that could be relatable in a bigger aspect of ways. Yeah, totally. No one likes to hear people talk about their dream, their their, their night dream, you know, because it's just it's unrelatable to the other person if they weren't in the shoes, you know. Well, I think I think the experiences that you go through are unique to you but mm. I also think that like there's always a greater message and yeah. and we communicate the greater message like the greater message applies to every individual I believe and mm. we just communicate it in a way that's unique to us and mm. depending on where someone else is at in their lives maybe it'll resonate and maybe it won't you know um yeah. But I've had some very eye-opening experiences. Like, I think a lot of the more terrifying experiences have like just snapped me out of my bad habits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they say comfort. Like, you should, the only thing you should fear is comfort. Like, if you're if you're in an uncomfortable thing, then you you're learning something, isn't it? And that's what you're saying. I think also being confronted with something about yourself that needs to be addressed yeah. it's 
And when you're not in the best place, like physically, like if you're not in the right setting and you're being confronted with something very terrifying, Mm. it's just Mm. not good. It's just not good at all. So those, those experiences have snapped me out of things and they've been very powerful. And, um, Mm. like, yeah, I guess because at at one point, like I was experimenting for like a year with, Mm. with various drugs and like, um, I, like my intentions were so innocent and I always wanted to just explore my mind. Right. But at one point, like things just started getting weird because kind of similar to you, like I was in my first year of university and like, I was just doing the average thing, like studying, um, going to class or whatever, but I was just so stoned all the time. And it was, and I was going through some stuff as well because I had moved cities and I didn't know anyone in the new city that I was in. And like, I was going through this like toxic relationship and the amount of heaviness when you're just smoking that much weed, like, I don't know about you, but weed Mm -hmm. makes things like heavier for me. And to be quite honest, I've had more, I've had more terrifying experiences high on weed than any right. other substance. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the most terrifying one that I've had was when an acid trip started to go bad, but luckily it, it, I corrected it. Thank God. And, uh, but I know what you mean. There's definitely been some like times where I'm stoned, which is like mortifying. terrifying obviously in reality enough there was no harm but um in your perception of reality it's a big deal (laughs) yeah totally and that's what everyone makes fun of with people that smoke weed and think they need to go to the hospital (laughs) it's so terrifying in the moment uh but i mean i guess back to the festival thing because i've been to a lot of festivals as well and what i like i i love music and festivals and like it's just they're beautiful experiences Mm. um I noticed though that when people like I guess sometimes it can become a bubble if you're not careful like people are having all these very um mystical experiences on the drugs and the music just enhances it even more and uh like I I hear these like interesting thoughts or suggestions come up from like the people like around me but um because I, I've been to a lot of festivals I've seen like the yeah, same yeah, people yeah, over yeah. and over again <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah. like it's like I wonder you know like okay you can have all these amazing insights but what are you doing about it thank you I'm so glad you said that that's something that resonates so strongly with myself it's something that resonates um, and uh I always did the same thing, right? And uh, uh, a friend of mine had a food stall uh, running festivals, still does, Peckish Peacock. Check it out if you're ever in the UK festivals, vegan curry and, and, and we did great stuff. Like been to Glastonbury like four years and um, we did all the festivals. They started to kind of look the same. Anyway, sounding like talking about looking the same, sounding the same, 
these conversations, right? You know, I kind of, you know, I went to India for three months and I did the backpacking and I did the, you know, the playing the music and the, doing the festivals and having these conversations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, I just, that's what eventually got on my nerves is I was like, because I felt these causes and these things we talk about and uh, I just see people say it, but just get loaded or just, but not be kind to one another, but not, you would just sit in echo chambers and, and regurgitate, but they don't practice what they preach. They don't do any things. And I also noticed that, you know, we talk about humanity and sometimes people forget that there's such a grand spectrum of personality types, mm-hmm. situations. And um, yeah, I became aware that like, I'm, I'm gonna become a cliche if I just continue to have long hair and sit in this circle and try and move boulders with twigs. So, um, you know, I hadn't made the decision to move back to wrestling yet, but I was like, if I'm going to have, I hope I have some kind of influence, you know, that's something I would like to build towards. But if I'm going to have any of that, like people aren't going to listen to me if I look like this. So I cut off my hair for charity and, uh, and I was like, right, maybe they'll listen to me if I get a healthy, well, I had a healthy, if I, if I have the short hair and if I present myself in a way that seems like something that they're a bit more respectable of, maybe now they'll a grander perspective a grander stage of people will actually hear me and see me and then we can start to play or to turn that around like to just appear the way that you feel about yourself because yeah like like yeah I get what you're saying like you wanted to cut off your hair whatever like I think like it doesn't matter what you fucking look like it's just more like do you you feel yeah how do you feel about yourself and are you presenting yourself that way and um i think actually unconsciously people aren't aware of how they are presenting themselves because i mean i think the outer world really does reflect our inner world Mm -hmm. and to be authentic we need to wind them up right so to be authentic you need to line them up yeah yeah to match your inner world with your outer world yeah yeah for sure like um how familiar are you with russell brand i know very familiar i love russell brand so i think his his thing's quite interesting right in some ways i relate to him in other ways i I don't Mm i actually met him once when i was living in east london nice guy um it was a brief encounter but it was it was a cheerful chap i said hello uh and then we had a little chat and then we sat away from each other doing our own thing and then he said goodbye to me before he head off he was a good guy but what i find is interesting is he did this same thing he got to a top he said this ain't right and then he was like well what is it that's right and he got down the spiritual route with things. But I feel like he's still 
if you I don't know if you ever watched this, but if you do, no shade, like only love, but I feel like he's still a victim of that same thing of like now become a parody of being a spiritual person. Now he wears these long frocks and he's grown in his hair and similar to what you say, it's like I feel like on the outside, people try and mirror what it is that they think that they're They try to represent outside something to fit into a, a, an outside thing rather than coming from the inside out. Like they still try and pigeonhole themselves and, into, and fit into, into like where they think that they're meant to belong, what they think they're meant to say, what they think they're meant to look like, rather than like you say, find that equal of what you said. Well, I think, I think that kind of- Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does, it does, it does. And I think that's when, like, okay. we can challenge cliches, though, because, I mean, as long as it feels empowering to you to um, look whatever way to, like, fit a cliche, like, for example, if you feel empowered being a white girl at Starbucks every day, like you do your thing like that's like truly right. truly truly where your power is um and i think like kind of like the whole cliche like peace love happiness or like um what's another what's another thing what, what's another like cliche just some, anything about peace inner peace or like all we want is peace like those are mm. they're, they're so cliche but they're so real. It's because the cliches are so real. I think you're very right. I think we can all connect with that, especially people who have encountered it in some way, be it through a spiritual thing or through a drug thing or whatever. Um, but I think the maybe, maybe, what are your thoughts? I'm not saying I'm the authority on it at all, but I think I'm, I'm very, I've got, cause I tried that all love, all peace, all, all good. And I couldn't deny the fact that there was darkness as well. And now I've come into a correction of like, well, I've come into an understanding there has to be balance. There has to be. You have to be comfortable with darkness. Yes. It doesn't mean you become darkness or you, you fucking cherish it, but you have to be comfortable in darkness and you have to be comfortable in light. And totally. No, that's when I'm, that's why I'm all about like running towards your feelings and just... Mm being radically honest with yourself because I know I mean I think at one point in my life I was very infatuated with love and light and you know and now I cringe at love and light because yeah not everything is love and light like I love I love the dark too and in mm. fact like sometimes I romanticize it so much and it drives my art <laughs> but like right. But there is, um, there's the sense of being okay with what isn't good about you. And situations, like we said, with those, with those drug trips and whatever, that it was those uncomfortable things that kind of, they're the, your lesson. They teach you a lot, right? Don't they? Totally. Or, they say, or uh, in astrology, Saturn's the, the father and he's the, the harsh, harsh things that you the challenges that then make you grow and i think it's interesting for sure totally i think i think also like what drives maturity 
is that radical honesty with yourself. You know, like, I mean, I think just acknowledging that you're not, you're not a sweetheart all the time, even if you want to be, I think I fell into that at one point, you know, right. just wanting to be a sweetheart and just like behind the sweetness was this like mad aggression and like huge judgment towards everyone around me. But the more mm. that you sit and be okay with the fact that you are judging, you don't make it wrong. I mean, you don't like, I mean, I'm trying to say it with nuance so that people don't, you know, take it as like, it's okay to, it's okay to like be an asshole to other people, but to just acknowledge that it all comes from you. It's your responsibility right. and it has nothing to yeah. do with the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I do that now as well with like, so I got a lot, it turns out I got a lot better with the anger management <laughs> as I got older. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, um, but yeah, I kind of did the whole like, and a lot of it's meditation, a lot of it's whatever, but like, yeah, okay, I feel this way. This is a negative thing, right? This is a negative emotion. It doesn't feel good. It hurts or whatever. So you recognize it. You go, wait, stop it there. You catch it there. You go, okay. And like, like with the, the trip where you follow up the, the, uh, the light, you follow the, the source, you follow it to its source and you go, where's that coming from? And it's normally, you know, some sort of insecurity or some sort of, even if it's not like a, you know, like a, a personality thing or like a, an internal thing inside of you. Sometimes it's, it's, it's outdoor, it's outside things. I sometimes are, actually i am on a lot less sleep this week uh actually i'm not that well hydrated or i'm really hungry or i haven't been eating good stuff or whatever do you know what i mean mm -hmm. that's i think my way of relating to what you just said compassion well. self-compassion yeah. yeah yeah it's a good yeah. thing <laughs> we should do it more everyone should do it more Jeez. It's yeah crazy, crazy world totally um but i mean i guess back to your wrestling though so you yeah okay so you had all these eye-opening experiences and then you went back to wrestling so i guess the way that yeah. i i interpret these things because this is kind of how i look at the world um i feel like Please. when you when you go back to something that is so positive for yourself and you have goals and you have a dream and you have a drive and a strong pull to get where you want to be like that's following mm. the light and yeah. I, I i guess i'm kind of interpreting <laughs> your uh going back to wrestling after all of that as like mm. you found the light again i get a little shiver when i thought yeah i feel that i feel that <laughs> It wasn't all like terrible in, in between. We're talking like uh, in between, you know, kind of fading away from wrestling because drug use and starting a drug deal and starting a, and music taking off. Uh, I was doing music as well. I didn't choose to not do wrestling, but from that kind of drift away to the return is seven years. It's a seven year. Uh, I'd love to do it in some sort of like, there'd be some sort of artistic 
pilgrimage you know <laughs> version of it but uh but yeah after that that it did it was like a return to life. i tell you what um the you know i checked in here and there i did a couple of like training sessions like maybe about four over the time of that four over that seven years you know i always felt like oh, i do want to come back or oh, i do want to mm. but there was these other forces at play being like nah you can't nah you can't or just you know the timing went right what were those forces when I did why why did you say back. no to yourself i felt like um the i just felt like it was possible that's basically in short I, from several reasons i've gone too far down the route with all of this drugs i don't think i can be a pro athlete again um you know um, the business itself i don't think lends itself to being able like it's the the need to fit the either needle to get through to get a success here being this height being from this country um is is too too tough right it's not going to happen it's just not going to happen not going to happen not going to happen it was lies that i was telling myself but yeah the first session where i came back to training prop i rode back i don't know it doesn't matter the whole journey it was probably a half hour bike ride back from wherever and i was ear to ear beaming like and i was giddy it was like it was like being high again for the first time. And that was honestly one of the most beautiful recent memories, one of the most beautiful memories I have at all. And I've done a lot of things that enhance those feelings, but being in that wrestling for the first time back and riding back and sort of feeling like, you know, you can do this. You know, you can actually, this can be real. And it was ear to ear. And it was, you know, one of those cheesy ones where you even want to stop smiling and you can't. So yeah, I feel that. I feel that return to light. Yeah, that is so heartwarming. Yeah. You know, I think this goes for anything that sounds really impossible to do, or like you know, slim chances or whatever. Like, I feel like th those are just such slim negative perspectives, mm. and it's your choice to mm. look at things in a positive way and to commit yourself and like I think this is how I am with film like I I have so much life force energy in that and that is like my my light and my drive like mm. I don't know I think about it and as hard as the film industry is <laughs> like I I constantly look at it and I'm just like oh my god like why why am I doing this and like why did I choose this career path? Yeah. But I don't know what else I would ever want to do. And like, you right. get so deep into something, you can't just like, after all the work that you've done, I feel like it's more disrespectful to yourself to give up than fail. Yeah, but yes, definitely, definitely. And, and so in that time, I wasn't doing nothing like I was, doing music and I, I was doing successful at points. Like I had um, a band that, that did that did really well. We got signed, we about to go, we did a good couple of records and then we did an EP launch 
and we're going to do a European tour. And then it collapsed in. And then I did a solo record and it got BBC introducing track of the week. And it was going to end. It just the momentum didn't carry on. And then I got back into another band with some of my dear friends from childhood. And we started to really pick up momentum and we went out to France and we we made a full living off of this for for a good period of time, like a couple of years. And we, yeah, we did tour in France and things were going, and then it collapsed in again. And I was like, so during this period, like in my head, as I'm weighing things up, I'm like, well, I'm kind of committing a lot to this music thing. And like, people are saying I'm good. And I've had, and the, the, things are always a little bit hopeful. Um, and that question of, but it's hard, you know, and the question of, well, what would I do instead? And the, and the answer would be, like, oh, I, you know, I love the wrestling, but I can't, you know. Um, when that eventually switched, and now, you know, for the last three years, like, I've been having a great time in wrestling. Things are, you know, pandemic aside, things are going from strength to strength to strength. Even with the pandemic, things are going from strength to strength and getting better and better. And things are looking good. Um, but when I have that question now, oh, what would you do instead? You know, when you face these tough things like the pandemic or whatever, what would you do instead? I wouldn't do anything else instead. So I agree, yeah. I think maybe that's living like a truly authentic life. If you can ask yourself that. Mm. And like, if you wouldn't rather do anything else instead, I mean, if you're doing everything that you want to be doing, mm. like you're you're living a pretty prime uh, life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you do a few things, right? You do the acting. What what, what else are you involved in? This podcast, obviously. Yeah. So I'm I'm an actor. That's I've been doing that for so long since I was nine. Uh, and then I started screenwriting. Oh, cool. So yeah, now I'm, you know, I, after I turned like 18, I guess I started just looking at acting as it's not pretending. It's really a way of life. Right. I feel it. <laughs> and, um, I, I guess like I started looking at film in a very, in a very like broad sense, like I started looking at stories rather than just acting. And that's when screenwriting came mm. into play. And I just, the more I learned about the industry and the more I learned about capitalism, the good and negative things about it. And the more I learn about money, like it all just comes together. That's cool. Because yeah. it all just yeah, connects yeah. together. So. I'm just, I'm very, very deep into the film industry and podcasting is just another like creative yeah. expression of myself. And I, you know, like I wasn't like fully sure if this was like fully my thing at first. Um, but every time I have a conversation, it just feels so good because it just really, it just reflects. I think your art tells your philosophy on life like what you do it just shows your philosophy mm. and this is just another expression of that philosophy and film is my main uh -huh. medium 
and that's where most of my energy and focus goes. But this is um, this is a way for me to like really connect with people. So, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I uh, I kind of got into um, yeah. Originally, wrestling has its own community of podcasts talking about, and that was cool. But uh, obviously, for me, Joe Rogan obviously is a huge thing. I caught caught on a little bit earlier on, but I really love that medium that um that people can conversate there's no plan here there's no um but it opens up so much Mm -hmm. in someone else in yourself and then also third party the viewer to be like this long form discussion style i think it's super interesting and beneficial yeah Yeah. there's a new platform opened up i haven't checked it out yet i've signed up it's called uh is it called chat room is it chat is it Clubhouse? Thank you. That's it. That's it. Is it? Yeah. Are you in it? I'm in it. Okay. But I mean, I'm I'm going to start exploring it more. Right. But if you're in it, let me know. Well, I because I we signed up. They said we've got your name. We'll let you know when it's official. Oh, you have to be invited. Oh, can you invite me? Yeah. Sorry. We're, if I have room. <laughs> we're doing our own business now on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're doing business. Um. Yeah, no, we'll be in touch, Tate. But anyways, to not bore the audience no, of yeah, our business plans. <laughs> um, well, I I think your story is so inspiring and beautiful. And like, I, I really enjoyed our conversation and it was awesome. You're a great person. Wow, that's really nice. <laughs> that's, that's really nice. Thank you very much. Likewise, it was a pleasure talking to you from get-go to well continuing on it's uh yeah easy to talk to you're a good person and hey maybe we'll work together in the future or something totally 